Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Italian American Podcast. The first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about and celebrate their brilliant heritage. We're your hosts, Anthony Fasano and Dolores Alfieri Taranto. We're first generation and third generation Italian Americans from the same small village outside of New York City. As writers and speakers, we've both spent years exploring Italian American identity. And through this podcast, we continue this exploration with you. In each episode, we talk to dynamic Italian Americans, from athletes to authors to entrepreneurs to find out how their heritage has influenced their success, their values, and their outlook on life. We do it with a lot of heart, a lot of smarts, and a lot of laughs. <laughs> As the saying goes, there are two types of people, those who are Italian and those who wish they were Italian. Whatever camp you're in, grab an espresso and get your hand gestures ready <laughs> for this episode of the Italian American Podcast. This is episode number 90, where we will talk about Italian migrations to the United States. But first, Dolores, how are you doing today? Hello, Anthony. It's nice to be speaking with you again on mic. It's been a little while. Yeah, it has. We know that some of you out there have actually noticed, <laughs> which is refreshing. <clears throat> yeah, we've just been a little, you know, life. It just happens sometimes. It's just the next thing you know, you're caught up with this or that and... We just we just had to kind of get back on the horse here. So here we are. Uh, no worse for the wear. How have you been, Anthony? Yeah, doing good. Keeping busy. You know, we're still um, even though we weren't recording, we were we were trying to line up some guests and we have a few that we've lined up and we've got some good ones for you here today that we'll tell you about in a moment. But ready to keep rocking and rolling, do another podcast. Doing Italian-y things. Yeah. <laughs> We want to welcome our new listeners and just remind them that there are, I guess, 80 something other episodes that uh, you can listen to. And we love to hear from people actually who do, who, you know, our new listeners will write us and tell us that they, they listen to a new sh you know, a show every day once they discover us and they're so excited. So um, definitely there's a backlog and uh, it seems to still interest people, which is a uh, which makes us happy for sure. Yeah, for sure. And make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, whether you're a new listener, you've been listening for a while. If you go into iTunes and click that subscribe button, that's going to ensure that every time we publish an episode, it's going to get pushed to your phone, to your whatever app you use for your listening to podcasts, so you won't miss any of the episodes. So make sure you subscribe today. And uh, just a reminder as well that we have a private members only paid Facebook group that is called the New Neighborhood, a place for Italian Americans. And it's a wonderfully vibrant neighborhood online where really passionate listeners of the show have migrated from. Oh, I use I use the word migration there you go. because <laughs> because we. <do> <laughs> 
we just recorded this show and the word migration was used like a hundred times. So it's in my head. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, our listeners have a second platform where they're not just listening to me and Anthony talk to guests. They can actually, uh, join this group, speak to one another, interact with one another, and of course make friends, uh, which they do in real life and meet up for espresso and pasta and all those wonderful things that Italian Americans, um, love. So if you want to join and you want to learn more about the new neighborhood, please visit italianneighborhood.com. Yeah. And one thing about the group too, is as the group grows and it has been growing and there's a lot of really interesting and engaging discussions in the group, we're also bringing more into the group. So we're doing some calls as well. Now we had one call where we featured, uh, Lou Del Bianco, who's been on the podcast before his, uh, his grandfather was named the chief carver of Mount Rushmore. So he got on with our members and did a little talk about it, you know, videos, everything. It was great. And at the end of April, we're going to have another one of our members who I'm going to tell you about in a minute, who's actually sponsoring this episode, Mike DiSapio. He's going to lead a call around getting the dual citizenship, Italian and, and American. Um, that's what he does as a lawyer. And so he, he's, and he's a member of the new neighborhood. And so again, I'm just giving you another benefit that we've been bringing to the table. So again, it's more than just listening to a podcast. Now you can engage with people in the group, you can get to know them, and then you can get interesting access to some of these calls where you can learn a lot about your heritage and other ways to take, you know, dig deeper on it essentially. So right. we're excited so about that, that. So that it can really just take over your whole life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's taken over ours. That's basically. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that, um, subject of the dual citizenship is a really hot topic. I mean, we know that from the letters we get and we know that from the comments in the new neighborhood, it's, it's something that listeners are really interested in learning more about. Yeah, for sure. All right. So remember, go to italianneighborhood.com. Check it out. You could join us. We do charge for the new neighborhood. And the reason we do charge is because the podcast, as you know, is completely free, um, but it's not free for us to put it on. We have to get an audio producer and website maintenance and other types of things. And so your membership helps us to cover the cost of the podcast and then also helps us to keep the community, again, do some of the things we're doing with the calls and keep it as a more intimate community as opposed to just an open group with thousands and thousands of people where you can't really get that engagement. So again, check it out at italianneighborhood.com. And now what I'd like to do is tell you a little bit about our guests for today before we dive in here, Laura Ruberto and Joseph Shura. Laura Ruberto is a professor of humanities in the humanities program at Berkeley City College in the Department of Arts and Cultural Studies. She teaches film studies courses and interdisciplinary liberal arts courses that focus on cultural studies, material culture, aesthetics, and media. Joseph Shura is a director of academic and cultural programs at John D. Calandra Italian American Institute, a Queens College CUNY Research Institute. Receiving his PhD in folklore and folk life from the University of Pennsylvania, Shura is the recipient of the Italian American Studies Association 2016 Book Award and author of several works in the Italian American experience. And Dolores, I do think that our listeners are going to like this episode because we do often talk about the migration from Italy. I mean, where our ancestors came here and Joseph and Lauda gave us kind of a big picture look at it and talked a little bit about the books and how the community can benefit from them. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. Of course. And I think, um, if, yeah, if any audience, uh, ours will probably be interested in this topic. I think, um, it's hard because there was two of them and they've, they've done so much work 
and so much research in ver- on various topics, not just Italian migration. So I would definitely think that um, with regards to their work and their books and their research, this is like a starting point episode. Yeah. For sure. I mean, this is, we tried to get a lot in here in 45 minutes or so. But again, I think they did a really good job. And before we jump into the interview, I do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, the law office of Michael DeSapio. Have you dreamed of reconnecting with your ancestral homeland by becoming an Italian citizen? Since a change in Italian law has allowed dual citizenship between Italy and the United States, thousands of Italian Americans have done just that. Italian citizenship by descent is granted to those individuals who can prove Italian ancestry, even if through several generations. If you or a family member is interested in pursuing their Italian citizenship, contact the law offices of Michael DeSapio for a free consultation to see if you qualify. They are a full service law firm based in New Jersey that has served clients throughout the United States in assisting with dual citizenship applications. Mike will work with you and his experienced network of researchers, genealogists, and translators, both in Italy and the U.S. to guide you through the process. Don't miss the opportunity to reclaim your right to be an Italian citizen. Contact Mike at 908-996-6766 or visit www.desapioesq.com for more information. All right, now let's jump into the interview with Joseph and Laura. All right, and now we are excited to welcome Joseph Shora and Laura Ruberto, co-editors of the New Italian Migrations to the United States, Volumes 1 and 2 to the Italian American Podcast. Joseph and Laura, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you. So we should say at the outset that both Joseph and Laura are in different places. Joseph, I think you're in New York, correct? That's correct. Right. And Laura's in California. So um, if there's a a little bit of talking over each other, you know, we'll get it straightened out, but just as a little kind of a housekeeping thing. So welcome to the show. Uh, We like to start each show by having our guests Tell us a little bit about their Italian-American upbringing. So, um, Joseph, do you want to start and then you can send it over to Lauda? Sure, sure. I have, a, I guess, a typical and atypical kind of uh, family history, um, one that I actually write about in volume two of, of the anthologies, in that I have uh, migration stories that go back to soon after unification with a great-great-grandfather going to Argentina, Argentina. and but also the idea that Italians, immigrants came here and to the, to the new world um, with the idea of making money and returning, and that was really the history of my family. I have four generations of going back and forth. My Both my parents were born in the United States, but uh, went before World War II, but were brought back as children to Italy and raised there, socialized there, and then migrated back to the United States as adults. My paternal grandfather was born in the United States in the late 19th century, went to back to Italy, and um, um, and then returned as an adult several times. The, all these relatives, uh, aside from my parents, migrated back and forth, constantly traveling the ocean um, in the course of the late 19th century and the 20th century. So I, it's when people say, are you first generation, second generation, third generation? I sort of don't have an easy answer. Right. A lot going on there. <laughs> and Laura, how about you? 
Um, I uh, also have a kind of sort of typical and atypical association with Italian-American families and history. Both my parents are Italian immigrants. Um, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then moved to California when I was a teenager. And so I have kind of um, experiences from like two different regions of the United States with Italian-American culture and communities, but also a really different relationship to Italy and kind of the generation of Italian-Americans in the U.S. because I was raised by um, Italian immigrants in the 70s and 80s. And so my experience to kind of uh, older generations of Italian-Americans that had already settled in in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, kind of before my parents' generation arrived, um, was something I, my kind of upbringing was informed by and I experienced, but wasn't really my family's firsthand experience. I had a kind of a different kind of a relationship to a, a newer era of Italian-American culture that is, in fact, also really informs the, the two books that Joseph and I edited. Hmm. That's interesting. So, it's very yeah, interesting. you both you both mentioned having different experiences. I'm assuming by that you mean different from the majority of Italian Americans. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think both. Right. I think that for me at least, that what I mean by that is both this idea that we kind of we collectively, I think, both like popular culture and the scholarship, and also a lot of maybe many Italian Americans themselves associate Italian American, the Italian American experience with something that's now rooted back to an immigrant uh, generation that's six, seven uh, generations ago that's connected to the early 20th century. And something my own personal experience and definitely my scholarship is something that's trying to kind of rethink that and think about the fact that Italians have really never stopped migrating to the United States or anywhere else for that matter. I see. I think that, if, I mean, you guys are the experts on this, but just from years of conversations on this show and and the work I do outside of the show, I think that's largely the reason for that is because we tend to identify with our families, right? So if you're, if your grandpa didn't come 10 years ago, right, but he came a hundred years ago, you know, that's why that story is kind of stuck in your head because it's your story. There's that. There's also the, the, the simple fact that the number of Italian immigrants who came from the late 19th century up until 1924, when their laws were established to keep immigrants out or, or regulate them in a way, a highly significant way, is that there were way more Italians who came to this country than came, let's say, from 1945 to present. So, you know, anywhere between four to five million Italians came in that great wave of immigration, and the numbers were significantly lower. So, it's a family connection, but it's it's also a sort of historical fact that there were more people who were coming at a time when the United States was, you know, changing in terms of its communication and in terms of industry and the economy and politics. So it had a, a, a different impact than those that came after World War II into present. 
Sure. Well, and the and the other reason I think, in addition to to both, like you're saying, the family connection and and Joseph's sort of historical point is the role like popular culture plays in all of this and and consumer culture that we the the popular culture images of Italian Americans is one where we kind of again and again see images that associate that that culture with an, with those earlier generations, with Ellis Island, with large transatlantic ships, with these kind of uh, cultural traditions around food and religion and community that get reinforced through movies and television and music and, and other forms of popular culture. So, so before we dive into the work, New Italian Migrations, why don't we take a moment so that our listeners can kind of hear a little bit about each of your careers in terms of your expertise and the work that you've done. Uh, Lauda, why don't you go first here? Sure. So I'm uh, currently a, a professor of humanities at Berkeley City College in Berkeley, California. And I, uh, my research and publishing is really all about like a variety of uh, interconnections between Italian culture and history and Italian migration culture and history. I do a lot of work on cinema, for instance, and and visual media of different kind. And I'm also really interested in kind of a variety of cultural examples about of po- popular culture and uh, uh, everyday cultures of Italian mi- migrants and the way that like a sense of Italian ethnicity gets kind of written on and talked about through the, the um, everyday experiences that individuals and communities have. I've done some work on translations and uh, oral histories, I both in the U.S. and in Italy. So my work tries to uncover the connections between uh, a sense of Italianness that isn't connected to the geopolitical state of Italy. So to give you an example, um, about 10 years ago or so, I did an ethnographic study of Italian immigrants who had left Italy and had moved, had immigrated to places like Argentina or New Jersey, and then had, after almost a lifetime, really, after many decades, had returned to their villages to live in southern Italy. And I interviewed those returning Italian immigrants, and I kind of compared their stories and their lives with the lives and stories of, of interviews I did with new immigrants to Italy from places like Morocco and the Ukraine. And so that I'm kind of interested in thinking about how all of those experiences of movement, of mobility associated with Italy are, are connected with our, our memories, our uh, relationship to family, our relationship to place. So that's one kind of branch of my scholarship. But um, I also have, as I mentioned, I do work on Italian cinema and Italian-American cinema. And I'm also sort of interested in that and thinking about these overlaps between the industry and between the media itself. So for instance, 
I, you may have heard um, a, a kind of a, a story that gets repeated a lot around Martin Scorsese, the American filmmaker. He, in talking about his own childhood, he grew up, as you know, in New York City and in New York. And he has talked a lot about, for instance, uh, watching television as a kid in his in his house with his family and neighbors, and that they, among other things, they used to watch Italian movies that aired on local New York and um, a local New York television station, and that that really kind of inspired some of the work that he did later that he continues to do now as a filmmaker, and so I. I'm interested in in that story and like what what does it mean to to have that that connection to um, Italy and Italian culture and sort of through kind of investigating that story of Scorsese I I um, have been sort of tracing just the historical reality of how did how did a local television station in New York manage to get Italian films on uh, on its on air and it has it it was through like a a combination of factors involving Italian Americans and um, some of whom had been GIs during the Second World War and kind of literally brought the movies back with them and connections with the local Italian American community in New York that sort of eventually led to uh, this station airing these Italian language films on uh, in this local station and then I I, I guess the, the 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 last example I'll give of my work before I pass it to my uh, collaborator is that I'm really interested in thinking about how Italian ethnicity in the diaspora, in wherever we're looking, if it's in Canada or Argentina or, or the United States, is not universal. So definitely informed by my own personal experiences of living in California, I've been sort of tracking more and more the way what it means to be Italian American in California and the history and culture of Italians in California differs widely to what it means to be Italian American in New York or New Orleans or Chicago or elsewhere. And so I think that it's really interesting as a research topic and and as a kind of something that that uh, inform helps us understand Italian ethnicity in new ways to to realize that there's not just one ex- way to be Italian American or one kind of experience but it's actually really dynamic and changing all the time and and I think that makes it very exciting and opens up the possibility of, of thinking about um, ethnicity in, in new ways and explore new new paths of, to understand this history. Yeah, we hear that actually often from our listeners, and we have a very vibrant paid membership group of like really passionate Italian Americans who come come to the group from the show, and we have a lot of people from other parts of the country, and they'll as much as they love the show, they'll often say, you know, well, I'm in Colorado or I'm in California, you know, don't forget about us out here. And, you know, we understand that the experience of Italian community in Arkansas or California is likely very different. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is everyone who does this show is from the, is from New York. <laughs> so, you know, that's our experience, but, um, people sure. are definitely interested in that for sure. I always say, you know, at some point we'll explore it, but it's, but it's good for listeners to know somebody's already exploring it clearly. Yeah. Great, great. So, Joseph, I'll let you. Yeah. 
and uh, I mean, I greatly appreciate. I mean, one of the great things of working with Lauda over the years is the idea that she's, in a number of ways, uh, has you know pulled my coattails about the kind of New York City bias in uh, identifying and describing Italian Americans or Italian American culture and history, and and it is very diverse and one that we, uh, I think, those of us on the East Coast tend to be a little bit provincial. At least I do, and in terms, and we have to sort of check ourselves when we say the Italian-American experience. And that's why I've kind of really shifted to talking about Italian-American histories, cultures, experiences in the plural, because there is um, no one defining way that Italian-Americans have um, sort of identified themselves or are identified by others um, in, an ethnic, uh, in an ethnic fashion. So it's, it's, a, it's a really key uh, thing to keep in mind. And it's one of the things that we strived to do is strike a balance with the two volumes and trying to shift the way or to you know, have articles that are um, in the two books that are not just about the East Coast that we achieve to one degree, you know, to one degree or the other. So I am the currently the director for academic and cultural programs at the John D. Calandra Italian American Institute. We are part of Queens College and the City University of New York. And um, I do a number of things here. One of them is organize various types of programming. Uh, we have a lecture series. We have a documentary film series. We have an author series. We have a annual uh, conference. We have one coming up at the end of April on uh, visual cultures of Italy and the diaspora. Also curate exhibits um, as well. We have a gallery space and we'll have uh, a new exhibit of a, a Brooklyn visual artist, John Avaluto, um, that will be happening in early May. So those are a couple of things that I do here at the Calandra Institute. I also involved in original research and my background is in, I tend to identify myself as a social scientist of the humanities because I, I've studied both cultural anthropology and art history, and ultimately uh, getting a degree, uh, University of Pennsylvania, in folklore and folk life. So I'm interested in vernacular, the cultural expressions, the cultural expressions of everyday life, how people in their homes, their neighborhoods, and the streets create culture um, in various uh, various ways and various forms of expressivity. Um, I've worked a lot with sort of at first documenting and writing about New York City. So in addition to doing work with Italian-Americans, I've worked with Puerto Rican community gardens. I've worked with street art and graffiti murals, uh, memorial art, um, which has been some of the things that I've worked with over the years. But specifically, my Italian-American research has concerned itself with a host of different types of cultural forms, everything from religious feasts, and I'm sure some of your listeners know about the Giglio Feast in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, um, was something that I've researched for a long time. I've also documented and written about Italian-American rap music. People don't know a little, a lot about it, um, but um, there is this sort of small group of rappers out there online who are circulating, they're creating and circulating their music digitally. And so 
my real concern has been in the ways in which certain forms of cultural expressivity in Italian American life um, are have historically and contemporary been undervalued, uh, not a, as appreciated, and the ways the dynamics between vernacular expressivity and elite culture sort of uh, are sort of uh, in dialogue um, and being negotiated constantly as various types of identity markers for uh, Italian Americans. They've resulted in exhibits, articles, and a number of books that I've uh, edited, co-edited, one on Neapolitan song outside of Italy uh, called uh, Neapolitan Postcards. I've written and co-edited with a colleague, Vijay Junta, on em embroidery in, in the diaspora. And what was particularly exciting about that collection was looking at uh, not just Italian-Americans, but also Italian Canadians, Italian Argentinians, and uh, Italian Australians look at the ways in which women's domestic needlework uh, played a really kind of key role in the ways in which immigrants adapted to their uh, new environments. And lastly, um, in keeping with the sort of religious aspect, I completed a book um, couple of years ago called Built with Faith, where I look at a number of contemporary religious folk arts, everything from yard shrines, the way people put statues and decorate religious statues in their front yards, to presepi, domestic nativity scenes, highly elaborate intricate scores and sometimes hundreds of figurines that get created for the holidays. I looked at a grotto, um, Our Lady of Mount Carmel Grotto in Staten Island, and helped to get that site listed on the historic res, uh, registry of the historical the registry, the National Registry of Historic Places. So I'm, I'm, you know, in addition to doing this research, I'm, I'm very much interested in moving beyond academia so that the work that I do in partnership with various community individuals in some way gets returned to the community. So helping to helping to acknowledge um, in an official way and through a national registry, a site that is of utmost importance to understanding Italian-American culture, in this case, New York City culture and Catholicism in the United States is something that then is returned in a reciprocal manner um, back to the community. So these are kinds of some of the activities that I've been involved in over the years. Great. And, and thanks to both of you. Just as, a, as a, an Italian-American myself who's interested in my culture, it's, it's great to know that we have people like you researching these topics and trying to, as you said, Joseph, not only get the information, but then transfer it back to the community, which I think is the important, really the important part of it, which is why, of course, we started this podcast as well, to try to be able to get things to the community to help them, which you know, which kind of leads us into your work now in terms of the, the work that you worked on together, migrations, Italian migration to the United States. And I think one thing to say here just in the beginning is that I think most of our listeners, of course, obviously don't have, you know, some of the extensive knowledge that you both have in this area, but you know, they have probably like a, a general understanding of Italian migration. They probably know a little bit about their family and when they came, they probably are aware to some degree that there were two larger waves of immigration from Italy to the United States, which I kind of learned along the way through doing the podcast over the last few years. But I thought maybe a good place to start would be 
if you could just talk about that, talk about the big picture history of migration of Italians to the United States, just to, just to, again, just to kind of start things off. If one of you could do that, I think that'd be helpful to set the scene. Sure. Laura, you want to? Sure. So um, you mean like to give us the big, the, the general history of Italian American? Yeah. Like just to kind of explain the two waves and then just because I think most people get it, but I, I don't want anyone to be left out of the conversation. And I think this is a good, since we have both of you on, this is a good episode where we can really explain the migration and then Dolores and I can maybe ask a couple of, and then you could explain your work around it and we can ask a couple of questions on that for the audience. Sure. Okay. So, you know, I think in order to kind of understand the two books that we edited that focus on really the last 70 years of migration since 1945, it makes sense to kind of try to put it in a larger context of what does migration mean for Italy? And this really, if we think about the history of of Italy as a country, from the 1869, or I'm sorry, from the 1870s on, when Italy became a, a, a nation state, we know that well over 28 million Italians have left Italy since like Italy has existed. So that's like a enormous number of people, right? That's just an insane number of people. Over 28 million Italians have left the country since it existed. So we have to kind of, I feel like we have to just kind of remember that, begin with that premise. If we focus just on the United States and think about the time that most people are familiar with, with respect to Italian migration, that like roughly 1890s to the 1920s, we know that well over 4 million left Italy and came to the United States in that short, really short period of time. Of those like millions of people um, that came to the U.S. in the early part of the 20th century, a large number of them actually returned to Italy. Um, I don't know if 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 that's a part of the kind of history that that ever has come up on the podcast before, but we even in Argentina there was a, a term, they uh, los golandrinas, the the swallows was like the the term used to refer to Italian immigrants who were like uh, would go back and forth between Italy and um, the Americas. So even those that came to the United States, many of them. Returned home, returned to Italy, or like would go back and forth. And, and Joseph mentioned this earlier with his own family's history too. And then, starting in about 1924, uh, in great part because of things that were happening in the United States, like a change in the immigration law that created the national quota system that really uh, limited the number of. Europeans and other countries and immigrants uh, could come to the U.S. every year and and specifically limited Italian immigration to just under 4,000 people a year. Starting in 1924, there was a big kind of uh, downward shift in the number of Italians coming to the country, to to the U.S. And there were a lot of other reasons that affected that as well. Things that were happening in Italy, for instance, 
Mussolini made it more difficult for people to leave Italy, and he kind of encouraged those who had already left to come back home, come back to Italy. So there are other reasons as well. But starting in the 1920s, we see fewer Italians coming to the U.S. And then through the 30s and the 40s, there's really just sort of a trickle of Italians coming to the U.S. And then starting really right after the Second World War, the numbers start to go up again. And so you have this kind of second kind of large wave of immigrants that come after the Second World War. But in comparison to the that, that more the more kind of famous historical wave, it's 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 a it's still a pretty modest number. We know that between like 1945 and 1973, about half a million Italians came to the United States, just to kind of give you, give wow. you, give you a number. And then since 1973, um, you know, since that, that last stat, Italians have continued to come uh, to the United States. And so with probably about another roughly 200,000 having come since since the 1970s. So that's a really broad picture of some of the the stats and kind of uh, migration eras we're talking about. In our in our book we talk about this last 70 year period and we divide it further into sections that we could talk about perhaps. Sure. Yeah, that's that's very well first of all thanks for that kind of overview. Yeah. I think that'll be very helpful for our listeners who may not be familiar with kind of the timeline but now Joseph maybe if I could yeah. ask you here based on Lauda just gave us a good overview of the immigration take us to the 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 books that you worked on together now and how they came about in terms of the migration and the goal of these books. Sure. Um, I mean, uh, as we said in the beginning, our this these books um, arose in part due to our uh, personal history. So we had this uh, direct relationship to post World War II immigration in both our families, but. Our more so, our concern was the fact, and and Lauda mentioned this earlier, that as we looked around in the various things that we were working on and researching, and those of our colleagues, we saw this kind of almost unifocus of of history and culture on that great wave of immigration, and we knew from our various experiences, um, both personally and professionally, that there was this, there was and continues to be these ongoing immigration to the United States. And for me, that was very much part of the research that I was conducting in various types of religious practices, processions in a place like New York City, where we found, uh, where I found that a number of types of uh, religious uh, cultural expressions, the, the processions, the feasts, while they were diminishing in certain communities, like places like East Harlem, Manhattan, or Little Italy in Manhattan, they were beginning to grow and expand in places like Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, or um, the redubbed Carroll Gardens in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, in Astoria, um, in other places out in the suburbs, because of a new wave of immigration that were 
taking those older traditions and reinforcing them, what we call in the book, rebooting Italian American culture, doing that on the ground, or introducing completely new processions. And I, I know this for a case like in Williamsburg, as I said, the uh, community from Tejano in Campania, there had been an older procession to a saint, their patron saint called Saint Cono, San Cono, and it was kind of diminishing after World War II. A new wave came by, and that procession um, and that feast and that devotion was uh, reestablished by this new wave of immigration. So we were seeing it at, uh, on uh, sort of firsthand through our research um, in, in, in various ways. And but when we turned to look at the literature, the 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 um, the uh, academic literature, there was very, very little that talked about these new waves of immigration. Usually they tended to be um, either uh, sociologists looking at statistics or um religious entities who are helping to were who are working to help these new immigrants adapt and so that you know there is where you can get some kind of information but we just saw that it it wasn't something that wasn't being spoke about in the literature. So at a certain point, it was around, uh, we actually tried to retrace when we started to talk about this really seriously. Um, it was around 2008, and we began to think about sort of doing something, having um, a, at the very um, onset a, a simple anthology. We put out a call for papers. We received a number of articles. In the beginning, we also had articles that people were submitting that were memoirs, stories of personal accounts of their own immigration after World War II and up until present. But we decided that we couldn't go with the memoirs because it was we just had too much information. And when we submitted the final manuscript, and it's I know a, a truly interdisciplinary set of anthology. We had historians, we had folklorists, we had film scholars, we had a literary scholar. We wanted to tackle this subject from um, a various angles and from various fields. So that when we submitted the article, uh, the uh, finished manuscript, uh, we it was. Um, we found out that our our, uh, our manuscript was twice the length that we had contra contracted with. And um, in the first 24 hours, we really panicked. We thought we had to, you know, edit everybody's article down to five pages or so. And we were really happy that the publisher, Illinois, um, the University of Illinois Press, came back um, with a really wonderful idea of having two different books. And so this original anthology that was truly interdisciplinary with a historian's article, a folklorist article, a film studies article, another a sociologist, then kind of got broken out into sort of more traditional framework. So volume one looks at the history and politics of Italian immigration from 45 uh, to present, while the second volume focuses more on art and culture. Hmm. Interesting. And... Going back to what you said before, Joseph, in terms of, you know, really trying to transfer the research and the things that you've worked on back to the community, what is the goal for both of you with with this work in terms of, you know, the goal for the community and what you want the community to take out of it or do with the with the information that you're giving to them? Either one of you can take that one. Well, 
Well, one thing that's been really exciting and and speaks to this uh, has, is that since since the books have been published, which is in 2017, we've uh, either together or individually we've presented the books in a number of different venues and both in Italy and in the United States. And many of those venues are, are not been your kind of traditional academic university settings, but in fact have been more um, cultural and community centers of different kinds. And, and have, we've really been, had really exciting exchanges with uh, community members in a, a variety of Italian American communities from uh, Massachusetts to New York to uh, California that um, have come to, in some cases, kind of hear versions of their own family's story talked about uh, because they're people who are part of this sort of 70-year kind of history, but in other cases are learning learning new things about what they understood to be already Italian-American history and kind of opening up that that. Uh, kind of memory for them or that history for them in new ways. So that's something that I've been really so happy about to see about the books because while, well, certainly the, our goals for them as we're given our, that we are both sort of very rooted in academia and the books are published by university presses. We certainly hope that they'll have an impact on the scholarship that we are kind of part of and that we're um, involved in. And we, we see different ways that that's already happening as well. Um, but we, I know that we're both really ex, uh, interested and excited by the way that they've been just been able to dialogue and connect with the Italian American communities broadly in in, a, in so many different ways. I have a question for you guys. Um, the second volume focuses on art and culture. Mm-hmm. So what are what are some of the things that you cover in volume two? Or I guess and how they would either differ or are a continuation of you know your your kind of overview in volume one. Sure. Uh, I mean, maybe this is an opportunity where we can talk about our individual um, articles because it's in volume two that Lauda and I contributed our own research. And I'll, I guess I'll start. Um, I, I looked at a really wonderful and unique radio program that was developed after World War II in New York City on a radio station called WOV um, AM. It lasted up until the early 60s. And they had this radio pro- program called La Grande Familia, the big family. And what it did was for, and it was sponsored by Progresso Foods. I'm sure many listeners know about Progresso Foods. It was their foray into marketing to a larger audience and expanding um, their market of their various food products. They had a roving reporter in Italy go around to Italian-American families in Italy and record their greetings. And they did it, they tied it to Progresso so that you would have to send in a certain number of box tops or labels from the products. They would go, this reporter would go and uh, record family members and did this from the Alps all the way down to Sicily. This was not just a Southern Italian thing. And then broadcast those messages on the radio station 
um, really intimate, endearing, uh, heartfelt, sometimes sad messages to uh, Italian Americans. So these, you, so that means that you could tune into the radio seven days a week, twice a day, and hear, and, and, and they would get listed in the newspaper so you would know when your family was going to be speaking. They would, uh, you, so you could hear your family on the radio. And this was, because WOV also had an extensive national network, it was heard in New York City, it was heard in Pittsburgh, it was heard in California, and down in Florida. And after they broadcast these messages, they sent each individual family um, 78 RPM recordings. And what I do in my article is look at six recordings that, my, that are in my family's collection and try to trace the, the sort of social context uh, for the people who are speaking and who they're speaking to, my family, their various migration stories, but also the ways in which Italian Americans, in this case, La Grande Familia, use the media the way we're now, of course, using the internet and Skype and, and Facebook uh, to communicate with family members and, and friends, how they use La Grande Familia to uh, create a kind of transnational intimacy, to maintain a connection across the distance, even though they um, hadn't seen each other in the case of those who came before the war for 20 years, 30 years, or the case of my parents who came, had only been gone from Italy for just a couple of years, there were ways to maintain these connections despite the distance and despite the sort of longing and the heartache that that distance created, they were able to continue to make a connection through using media. And I, I think this was a kind of... Um, we see, as I said, we use, we see the digital era as being something very wonderful and fascinating and new, and it is. But there were these other means, and the radio station, La Grande Familia, was part of a sort of a legacy of ways in which Italian immigrants over the over a century have used media, photography, film, radio, the internet, to stay connected with family members in Italy. Well, that's a beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that. Um, yeah, and I've, I put I put I put some of those recordings, those actual recordings, online on sound on uh, on on the internet, and they can be heard there. Oh, great! We'll link to uh, we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes, so our listeners can listen if they would like to. Yep. So, Joseph and Laura, as we you know start to wrap up here, can you both tell us a little bit about what your focus will be moving forward? With these books or in other either way, I mean, if you sure. plan to do a volume three, if not, uh, I guess just in your respective areas of study regarding the topic of uh, Italian Americans and migration and culture. Sure, Laura, do you want to? Sure, um, I I'm working on a, a number of different projects. One one project in particular that I'm focusing on has to do with 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 something that I'm working on with with Joseph in fact and has to do with the role of Christopher Columbus and um, we are working on a um, a project 
mapping the statues and monuments to Christopher Columbus across the United States and thinking about the kind of legacy of those monuments and statues and the celebrations around Columbus in the United States and elsewhere. And um, it's connected to other work that we're interested with respect to uh, Italian ethnicity and museums that have been, that exist in in the U.S., in San Francisco and in New Orleans and in New York and uh, Pennsylvania and elsewhere around Italian-American museums. And um, this is also kind of connects us back to other parts other places where Italians have immigrated, as well as back to Italy itself, um, so that there are these other kind of public monuments to Italian migration that we're interested in thinking about. Things like there's a movement right now in New York to develop a, a monument for the Triangle uh, Shirtwaist Fire uh, victims, which in fact today is the anniversary of that fire um, that occurred in Manhattan um, that were mainly Italian and Jewish immigrant women um, died and really changed the kind of uh, so many of our, our labor laws and our kind of work workplace safe work safety laws because of that fire and there's a movement right now to c- construct a, a monument uh, to honor that legacy and so we kind of see the conversation around Uh, Columbus is part of a larger conversation around how like ethnicity gets remembered and uh, publicly celebrated or not. Uh, And so this is a project that that I'm currently working on that uh, work within that we're working on together. Hmm. That sounds interesting. Joseph, Joseph, you have anything to add? Um, no, I mean, this is, uh, there's, uh, we're doing this work together, as I said, as Laura said, growing out of museums and working at Columbus statues and monuments. I've been also uh, <laughs> working on a paper that I will be presenting at a conference in Genoa in June on Gavones. <laughs> on cafoneria and the ways in which, you know, uh, bad taste is marked and identified within the larger Italian-American community. Who gets to say what is in bad taste or good taste and what does it, how does it actually play out, especially vis-a-vis um, media uh, images of Italian-Americans? Who gets to speak to um, what bad taste constitutes uh, and what constitutes the Italian-American kind of a cultural um, identity? Today. Wow! So, so we can have you both back for an episode on Christ- yeah. Christopher Columbus statues and Gavones. I think yeah. people. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And, and I and I, I guess I should add though to make it clear. I mean, both of us are working on a number of other projects. Oh, that, sure, sure, yeah, yeah that yeah. are not co- collectively collective projects. I guess. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just from I think both of us looking into you guys a little bit before the interview, you both do a lot of things. And a lot of things for the community, as I said, which I think is great because a lot of these topics that you're talking about, we get general questions on things like this, but obviously our listeners aren't, you know, it's not their profession in any way. They're just, they're Italian American and they're curious about it. So to have, you know, people like you doing the research, um, becoming experts in these fields, and then, you know, hopefully getting that information, like you said, and be able to transfer back to the community is really, I think, how the whole community can get educated. So, you know, we really appreciate 
what you're doing in that in that regard. And we're happy if there's any way that we can, you know, pass it along to the community and act as a as a conduit in some way. So so with that, we want to thank Joseph and Lauda for spending some time with us here on the Italian American podcast. We do wish you both, you know, a lot of luck in getting out there on these important topics and continuing to do that research and bring it back to the community. And, and uh, our door is open to you anytime to come back and, and share your findings um, with our audience. We really do thank you. Uh, Anthony Dolores, thank you so much for having, for having us here. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate the work you all are doing. And uh, it's been wonderful to talk with you. All right, I hope you enjoyed our interview today with Joseph and Lauda on the topic of Italian migrations. And now I'm going to kick it over to Dolores to take us out. Okay, I'm going to read an iTunes review. Um, we've got some beautiful new ones. Thank you to everyone who's left us a review. And uh, a thanks in advance to all of you who are going to leave us reviews. So this is a terrific new review. Uh, my fave podcast is a subject line, five stars, which we love. One of the few, uh, and by the way, this is from Tough Chick K. One of the few podcasts that I listen to and without a doubt, my favorite. Anthony and Dolores deliver the goods every time. And now with the Power Hour crew adding even more value with hilarious and insightful observations, this is the top of my list, hands down. If you have an Italian family or always wanted one, some episodes are sure to put a lump in your throat. From the episodes with Tony Reale, Pat Harrison, Lydia Bastianich, and John Franco, among others, each is an instant classic requiring repeated listens. For me, the podcast hosts have initiated a deeper interest in these topics, and I was already obsessed with my Italian-American culture. If you want to feel like a kid again, sitting at Nona's Sunday table, it gets no better than the IAP. Love that! What a wonderful review. Thank you so much. Honestly, we say this all the time, but it's a fact. Reading things like that just gives us such a boost to keep doing this. We They do not go unnoticed, guys. The feedback is so appreciated. Thank you so much for that. Okay, so you can find us on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can find us by searching Italian American Podcast. Arrivederci!